everybody, welcome. Thank you for showing up. This is our weekly Twitter spaces with the man, the myth, the legend, Van Dickhoff. And today we're talking about the game theory of mining uh, and specifically about stacks and Bitcoin and how they intertwine and, you know, why people even should be spending their BTC to, to mine stacks. And so I think that's, for me, that's a good question to lead off with, which is, you know, going into the Stacks 2.0 launch, um, the question of people giving up this precious asset in BTC and spending it on an unknown asset like Stacks, uh, what was the thinking that went into even that decision? Sure. Well, uh, I wouldn't say it was a decision led by the idea that we thought like tons of people would be willing to to give you know give away their bitcoin um the reason for the you know spending bitcoin and having that kind of economic trade-off in the consensus mechanism is, is that's the kind of key piece that allows the stacks network to connect to bitcoin for settlement and security so i mean just to mention briefly for uh, anyone who's on that um, isn't familiar with how Stacks Mining works, conceptually, it's the same thing as proof of work. Um, miners have to spend some asset of known value for the chance to compete uh, to win uh, or mint a new digital asset. Um, you know, with proof of work chains like Bitcoin, the... Uh, scarce asset of a known value that miners spend in order to get included in that competition is electricity um, itself. With the Stacks chain, it's no different. Our realization when we uh, came up with the consensus mechanism called proof of transfer is that you only had to go from real world asset electricity to digital asset once. And actually by using Bitcoin, uh, by having miners spend Bitcoin to compete to mine stacks blocks, it means that uh, every successful mining transaction, every successful transaction that appends a block to the stacks chain is also a transaction on the Bitcoin network because miners are spending Bitcoin to send that. As a result, uh, basically the hash of every stacks block header and by extension every transaction gets included in the bitcoin blockchain um so that's kind of the high level of how the consensus mechanism works from the mining side and why the kind of need to it it could have been any asset from any proof of work based chain the reason that we chose bitcoin is because the goal of kind of this settlement layer that proof of transfer connects down to is really for security and settlement. Um, those are the kind of two, the two goals of the, the lowest layer of the, the stack. Um, and so with that, we, you know, we kind of, we've been big into Bitcoin forever uh, just as an ecosystem. And we kind of look at Bitcoin as the OG in terms of providing those primitives. Now, to to kind of finally answer your question, like why, why would people spend Bitcoin um, to mine a, some new random token? The 
rationale is actually the exact same as uh, the question, why do people spend electricity to mine Bitcoin? You know, in the early days, there weren't many that would spend electricity to mine Bitcoin, or at least not many that would spend a lot, nothing like we see today. As the network grows in utility and therefore value, though, over time, uh, mining becomes more and more profitable, more and more people join. And that's that's the simple relationship. People will spend Bitcoin to mine stacks for this, even uh, initially at the beginning of the network, um, for the same reason that people originally spent electricity to mine Bitcoin and continue to do today, which is that it's potentially uh, economically profitable. Um, and as we've kind of seen, you know, uh, there's there's a few kind of dynamics in stacks mining that I think drive that profitability or can influence it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the simple reason is, you know, even if you're not uh, big into stacks, if you do the math and you can make a, a profit that's uh, big enough for what you're looking for, then you're going to engage in that activity. Um, and if you don't want to stay in the stacks, you can always exchange them, you know, back into Bitcoin once you've mined them or, you know, something else. But uh, but yeah, that's that's the rationale. Interesting. And I I wasn't around when Mainnet launched in January, but I was around for the beginning of CityCoins. And it had this certain hype cycle where as it's approaching, you know, people are engaging with it, people start mining, and then it gets um, listed on an exchange and mining goes crazy for like a month or so. And then it's kind of, it's been dwindling down as people are waiting for more utility was it a no. similar path for the mainnet where it's like hype, 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 there's tons of miners, and then it kind of trickled out until people started to see, like, how is this actually being implemented and things kind of coming to fruition? It's a little different um, than that. I, I think that's a nice description of kind of the typical project life cycle, if you will. I think you see that with certain things in stacks in, in the ecosystem or I, I think you, you maybe see that just in the reflection of kind of buying and holding the, the stacks token itself, maybe. But I don't see that as much in, in the data for mining, or at least what I see is kind of the main levers that drive mining. Um, you know, I do think we initially had a little bit of a spike of miners the uh, within the first 24 hours of the network launching, especially since independent miners were the ones who launched the network. So I think a number of them rushed to kind of be included in in the first group that that uh, uh, that started trying to mine blocks on on two point um, But after that, the the dominant driver of the number of miners or just the, how competitive mining generally is uh, is the potential for profitability. It, it really comes down to to that for mining. It's it's kind of a purely economic activity in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, essentially what, what I've seen be the dominant driver of mining for, I mean, we're, I think we're about 10 days away from the one year anniversary of, of 2.0. Um, so for the past year, what I've really seen driving it is it, it's all about the ratio of 
the secondary market price of stacks relative to Bitcoin. Um, and this, this is kind of an important metric, I think, for the ecosystem. And it's one I look at a lot. There's a few different ways to think about, you know, the price of stacks relative to Bitcoin. Um, one of the ways I really look at it, and, and I do think this speaks to your point of why I think maybe the, the token price acts a little bit more like the hype cycle you've seen in, uh, in the city coins projects is, um, you know, I think of the stacks price in, in relative to Bitcoin as something like the secondary market value of, uh, Bitcoin or sorry, the secondary market value of the use case of smart contracts on top of Bitcoin. Um, so basically what is the market? How is the market valuing these stacks networks, uh, utility, um, you know, what, what we're adding on top of Bitcoin. Um, and I think as we see that go up over time relative to Bitcoin, and as we've seen that more miners come on board, um, you don't quite get as, as jerky of a hype cycle with mining because it, you have to mine for some amount of time to kind of make it worthwhile. Um, we can get into that if, if you want to, but basically mining is stacks. Mining is, is a bit of a numbers game. So it's not something that you kind of just super quickly switch on, switch off, um, or at least you, not necessarily the best strategy if you don't want to uh, you don't want to waste uh, Bitcoin more, or at least more than you have to. But yeah. So that's an interesting topic. the The idea so there's like the the current price of stacks, but the current price of stacks has some level of uh, like you said, smart contracts for Bitcoin use case kind of priced in. Um, how how much of that do you think plays into the the current level of mining? Like, I think with Citicoins, that's when it, it's it's directly correlated where people are unsure and so they're pausing until they see the next things. And Stacks has been on this kind of like the past six months have been absolutely crazy for things shipping and innovating. Uh, yep. has, has there been a direct correlation between, say, like BTC spend and, you know, things like Arcadico and Alex and tickets coming online? I think I think there's one step in between there, which is, you know, I, again, Arcadico or any any of these other things coming online or just hype, any hype in general is not going to directly um, increase the number of miners. What that hype can do, and I think what you've seen with some launches like Arcadico is you've seen some uh, appreciation in the STX token price at those times. And when you have that appreciation in token price, um, basically what that means is all of a sudden, you know, if the mining market uh, was very competitive so, you know, uh, it was, uh, there's a lot of people trying to mine, they're all spending, you know, a similar amount of Bitcoin, and the potential for profit is fairly marginal. Um, you know, now, all of a sudden, the token price, you know, is up, let's say, 20% from that, that opens up a lot more profitability for those existing miners, or uh, opens up space for more miners to join where there's still 
a reasonable expectation of profit. Um, does that make sense? Kind of. So is there is there almost like a dollar cost averaging kind of idea with some of the more longer term miners where you can, you can see a history over time and so you you had bigger wins in the past so you can kind of eat into some competition in the present day? So you can. Let me, before we kind of get get a little deeper into strategy or some of the ways to think about it, let's, let me just kind of fully round out how mining works just to make sure we're, we're kind of on the same page because, uh, or at least kind of go into why my stacks mining is a game of, of kind of large numbers. Um, cause I think it really highlights the, the crux of what miners are dealing with in terms of strategy and the kind of, yeah, ec- economic kind of limits and equilibrium that we, that we kind of see the mining market reach a lot. So as I mentioned, the way the way stacks blocks are mined is miners spend Bitcoin. Um, the Bitcoin they spend is sent to stacks token holders who are locking uh, their stacks up, stacking them as we we call it. Um, so they get Bitcoin, not not more stacks tokens. But miners are are spending this Bitcoin. When they spend the Bitcoin, the protocols, the Stacks protocol combines that uh, the amount of Bitcoin that each miner has spent with an on-chain verifiable random function. Basically, you can think of it as a, a random number generator. And essentially, the way that the winning miner or leader sortition, um, as it's called, is conducted is uh, essentially the protocol combines the uh, when the protocol combines the amount of Bitcoin spent with that VRF, the verifiable random function. Uh, essentially, what it does is it spits out a probability uh, or it calculates a probability and a winner for that block based on the amount that you spent. So the more Bitcoin a miner is spending per block to compete, the higher chance that they will win um, that block. So, you know, Jake, if you and I are the only two miners, just to use a simple illustration, I'm, you know, spending 0.5 BTC per block and you're spending the same, then we both have a 50-50 chance to win. Um, So as you can see, you know, as more miners join to mine, that's going to change every miner's probability of winning blocks. And also as miners change their the amount of bitcoin that they're spending per block that's also going to change the kind of competitive dynamics of mining and and the potential for profitability um and so with mining the the kind of barrier to be a miner um isn't you know anything with hardware or computation you know i i run a miner on my my laptop and it's, it's just a pretty typical macbook um, the key though, is you do need to have, um, a decent amount of Bitcoin to ensure that you can mine for long enough that, uh, you'll be able to, you know, reasonably see, reasonably realize the expected return, um, that you've calculated based on how much you're spending relative to other miners. What I mean by this is, you know, we all know that, flipping a coin is 50 50 probability for either side independent on each flip but you know because of the law of large numbers you can you know you could flip the coin 50 times and get 50 heads now pretty 
pretty unlikely on a statistical level, but certainly possible. Uh, and that can happen with stacks mining as well. Although, you know, again, uh, statistically improbable. Um, you can mine for, you know, maybe not 50, but certainly a number of blocks. And we've seen this ourselves where, you know, even though you're spending, you know, a very competitive amount or maybe even spending the most, you may lose a number of blocks in a row. Because, again, um, it is based on on randomized uh, probability. Um, and so you need to be able to continue spending a competitive amount of Bitcoin per block uh, for long enough that you get exposure to enough blocks that uh, you can actually realize the the win probability that you uh, you should. Um, so does that kind of make sense in terms of how stacks mining is kind of a, a game of uh, needing needing a decent chunk of Bitcoin to be able to kind of you know go at this for a while to kind of realize that it's it's not really something where uh, it's not really an activity where I think you can hop on for like 10 blocks, try mining or an hour, you know, don't really win anything. So stop, hop off. You know, I think that that kind of strategy being like uh, being a tourist, if you will, in stacks mining doesn't work that well. I do think, you know, miners themselves who have been doing it for a while can kind of turn on and off a little bit more driven by the secondary market and prices. And, you know, I think that's more on the time frame of days, not like hours. But, um, but yeah, a lot, lot more we can go into from there, Jake. Where, where do you want to go? Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. Um, and, w- and one of the things that I think about is, you know, if you could, Bitcoin's mature at this point, so it's unfeasible. But if you just had the hardware, you could plug in just an S load of, you know, computers into the network and you can get to like a 70% hash rate and you would start winning a, a decent amount by guessing the right numbers that it's asking you to spit out. Uh, and you can plug in mm-hmm. for, you know, you can plug in for a week and you could probably get a, a, a decent chunk of BTC. But with stacks, it's a little more of a longer term game where if you spent enough to be a 70% ratio probability winner on a two-week time scale, uh, it might not pay out in the same way that Bitcoin might in that same in that same fashion. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, if you want to get into kind of the security of the stacks chain and how that compares to Bitcoin, or if Bitcoin kind of helps that, so the fact that the consensus mechanism proof of transfer connects to Bitcoin, kind of in, in the way described with how mining works does give it adds some interesting security properties to the stacks network it means that you know unlike uh and we actually did a a nice write-up on this uh trevor who i think i just saw join um helped us write this up this was over the summer i think i can send this to you jake if you want to put it in show notes when you publish or something but um we we did a bit of a blog post talking through how you would attack the stacks network and so you know you're right with with bitcoin or any proof of work based chain the you know predominant way to attack that network is uh what's called a 51 percent attack and it's essentially yeah you you bring more resources to the network for mining than any other miner um and if you can get over 51 percent or certainly higher than that, then that gives you the ability to do things like a double spend attack, um, 
things that, that you shouldn't be able to do on the network. With Stacks, it's a bit different um, because when you mine, you have to remember that mining transactions are Bitcoin transactions. To add a little bit more nuance into kind of how mining works as well in terms of calculating a individual miner's probability of winning a block, um, there's a bit of an onboarding period when a miner first starts mining. And this is another reason why it's not worthwhile to kind of turn a miner on and miner off uh, based on small fluctuations in potential profitability. Uh, when you first start mining, um, the way that the uh, protocol actually calculates each miner's probability of winning a block is it takes the min, the minimum of uh, the median that was spent from the last six blocks and the last burn. Um, what this means is that basically it's looking at a six block window and your spend over that and comparing the minimum of how much you spent, wh which is smaller, how much you spent on the last block versus the average over the last six. So when you first start mining for your first two to three blocks, you functionally have 0% chance of winning. Um, you're, you're kind of warming up, so to speak, um, in, in the mining competition. Because of this, what that means is that any attack uh, on the stack chain, not only is going to need to spend enough resources um, to have kind of uh, resource dominance in terms of miners, they're going to also have to do that over some amount of time until they've built up their mining power enough to the point where um, they actually can reasonably uh, guarantee that they will win uh, the next block. Now, this is important because it's not like they could never get to that point. They could, but if it's going to take an hour or two, if it's going to take five, six, seven, eight blocks to get there, keep in mind that they're going to have to be doing this entire attack preparation in public. Um, because every single one of the transactions that they're sending as they're building up their mining power and preparing to even get to the point where they can attack is being done in public on the Bitcoin blockchain. If they want to do it in private, and so no one else can see that they're preparing an attack, they would have to create a private Bitcoin fork, um, which is exceedingly difficult to do. Um, and so because this is all in public, there's kind of numerous ways you can deal with this attack. Other miners can easily see it coming and change their burn amounts. Obviously, if other miners are changing or upping their burn amounts, then um, the economics of the whole mining market change and the attacker, uh, their entire calculation for how to build up their mining power sufficiently is, is kind of undercut. Um, you know, if someone is able to somehow pull off an attack, you can, you know, basically see when that's going to happen and have, you know, nodes and actors on the network identify that independently and you know blacklist those tokens or that address um there's a lot of things that that you can do because you're going to see any attack coming uh in addition to the attack needing to kind of get up to the point where they have resource majority to to attack the network
And ha- has anything even remotely like that happened yet? And like, there is a smoothing period, like the six block smoothing period. So how how tuned in are miners to like watch the competition or look out for attacks to be proactive? Is it, it, it are things kind of like steady state right now or has that happened? Yeah. Things have been really steady state um, for, for a decent while now. I'd say like the last six months with mining. So it, hopefully everyone on has seen, but my, my company, Demon, we run a, um, a data platform for uh, users of the Stacks network that are just looking to understand what's going on in the network. And part of it has a what we call the mining monitor. So it's just on stacks.com and you'll see the the kind of mining dashboard there. But, you know, I think we've kind of, for the most part, we've seen, uh, I, I would say there was a little more variability and fluctuations in the number of miners and the spend kind of in the first few months. The last six months have been kind of steady state with like a nice slow upward trend in both number of miners and the amount um, spent per block. Um, and I think you've seen that as, as you've also, again, seen the token price appreciate over that time um, as well. You know, pretty quickly, the mining market got very competitive. And, and what I mean by that is that there's a pretty simple econ- like calculation for how profitable stacks mining it is at any given point and you know therefore uh, helping answer the question you know if i'm already mining should i spend more should i spend less or if i'm thinking of mining you know is it worth it to mine and if so how much should i spend per block to to kind of do so the the kind of key calculation here um does really boil down to the price of stacks relative to Bitcoin. But in terms of what the actual reward is, the, the reward is pretty known for any block beforehand for the most part. That's because the majority of the block reward right, right now consists of the Coinbase reward. So that's a thousand stacks tokens per block. Um, transaction fees for smart contract executions are also included in that. But, you know, we're still at a pretty early stages of a, as a network. So, you're seeing, you know, some stacks from those, but it's, you know, it's maybe 10, 20 stacks total in terms of the transaction fees, maybe less. Um, so essentially, the, you know, you multiply that times the secondary market price of stacks, which, you know, looking right now at $2.25.27, you know, you can look at that and reasonably assume that you're getting, uh, you know, maybe... With the transaction fees, maybe two thousand three hundred USD per block that you win in terms of a return or income, um, and so uh, when you look at that, if, since uh, after about the first three months of the network, when I say that the mining market was pretty competitive, is you look at how much every miner is spending to mine each block, how much Bitcoin cumulatively is being burned per block. Um, it's getting pretty, it's always gotten pretty close to approaching the expected value of that next block. Um, And we've kind of seen miners play around with competition a a bit. You know, we've seen some who have tried to start burning, you know, uh, 
uh, or sorry, spending enough money per uh, or enough Bitcoin per block that um, that they're negatively profitable in the near term. But I think the goal is to kind of see if they can compete a few other miners out of the network. You know, I think uh, that's worked for some amount of time, but you know, uh, unless you have enough, you have enough Bitcoin to keep that up. Um, I think a lot of times you just see other miners turn off for, you know, a day or two until the person's done doing that and then kind of turn on again. But, um, yeah, since at least for the last six months, it's been, it's been a very competitive market in terms of, you know, the amount of miners and the amount that each are spending is, you know, pretty close to the expected value of each stacks block. Um, and, you know, I think tooth, uh, the volatility of the token price can definitely affect this at times. So I think miners get a little more conservative when there's a lot of volatility because, you know, even though you have an expected value for the profitability that you should see per block, the token price is, is fluctuating wildly on the secondary market, then, you know, what's actually going to determine your profitability is when you sell those tax tokens and for what price or if you do, or if you're holding them long-term, your kind of long-term expectation on it. Um, so, you know, as the token price has been volatile, but I, if you look at kind of the last six months and smooth out over that volatility, as it's kind of had a nice appreciation, we've, you know, uh, we've seen the mining market grow both in, excuse me, in terms of, how many miners are mining and and also the amount spent per block we have seen it grow more in terms of um the number of active miners actually than than we've seen it grow in terms of each miner spending a lot more per block um you know right now i think uh there's an app looking at the mining monitor there's an average spend of about four to 450,000 Satoshis per stacks block. Um, that I think has been pretty constant uh, over the last, I would say at least six months, you know, even we, we run at least uh, one miner um, constantly um, and we're decently competitive and, and uh, have been profitable over the last six months. And I think, we we've uh, spent between 300 and 400,000 satoshis per block but it's been kind of a steady slow rise from uh from 300 to 400,000 over the last 6 months um but you know even at 450,000 satoshis so that's each miner basically spending 200 USD per block and it sounds like that that's a general rule that if you take the expected rewards of that block, like say 2,300 USD and then divided it by the miners, like if it's seven or eight, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be the average expenditure. Like some people will spend a little less, some will spend a little more, but the average will be that like the 2,300 divided by seven will be whatever, 400, whatever on average. Is, is that like a steady state number? Like if there was, um, well, so there was, go ahead. Yeah, if that's if that's true, then mining is break even for everyone, um, by definition, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't say we we've seen that, but it's been close to it. Um, 
You know, I would say, and again, the, the actual realized profitability depends a lot on the uh, secondary market price and if a miner is still holding in stacks or if they've sold back in the BPC. You know, for, for Demon, we run one of our miners consistently. So we spend Bitcoin to fuel that miner, but we don't refill that miner anymore. Basically, that miner just lives off cycling uh, the STX that it earns from mining back into Bitcoin and then use it, putting that back into mining. Um, and so... Uh, so in terms of, you know, mining and uh, if like like the amount spent, the expected profitability, you know, we've seen there's been a few months. I, I would say the average that I'm seeing right now is probably around five percent across miners. If, if you look at kind of the last six to nine months, that's a very rough estimate and, and yeah, kind of number. But it's it's one that I've seen. Um, both in us and, and a couple other miners, I think, you know, if you zoom in at different parts of that, there are some pretty big fluctuations, but, um, you know, to your question, I think it, it means that, you know, if you take the rule of the amount of, uh, stacks tokens and the price for the next block reward divided by the number of miners, you, what you're actually getting there is the maximum, the, the, maximum amount on average that every miner can spend before the expected value of mining becomes um, unprofitable. So, so you're calculating that break even. And I think we've consistently seen the actual amount spent be anywhere from, you know, uh, well, pretty much right there to, you know, five to 10% below that. Okay. And you, and you mentioned that you have one main miner. Do you have multiple miners that you could spin up? We have two total. Um, so we have one main one that we've had running since the very beginning. And then we had another one running more in the spring when the network was still pretty early um, that we were using for just experimenting with some different things strategically, um, stopping and starting it a lot more. And so that, that was one where we... Uh, wanted to test out some things. And so we, you know, uh, accepted that we might lose some Bitcoin in that testing. But yeah, uh, so we just have two of them. Okay. And is there any reason to have multiple miners versus just upping your spend on one? Yeah, I, I don't think so. You know, I've talked to Jude about this and it really does seem like the way to go is uh, just to up the amount that you're spending Having kind of multiple different miners isn't really going to give you a competitive advantage. Like you could maybe try and do something optically. Like may, maybe it's less, you know, I, I, there's some games theory things that I guess I could think about. Um, but, you know, you'd have to see if they actually play out like does the competition or, you know, does the behavior of other miners change um change more or you know change to a greater degree if they see just a single miner like double or triple their spend versus just two to three other miners join the the con competition or you know is their reaction the same 
Um, you know, maybe there's something in there, but, you know, from a purely economic perspective, yeah, there's, there's no advantage. Got it. Yeah. I could see one of them being the, how strong slash decentralized the network is. Cause I know, uh, going back to that, that article that Trevor put together, it was, it was spawned by a Twitter thread that Codex put together. And he had some questions about like, how is Stacks? Uh, you know, blossoming, blossoming in the way it is, but only has seven miners. Isn't that a security risk? And uh, you know, Trevor stayed up all night, and I remember the next morning I woke up and there was this like super in depth, fantastic video that kind of explained why that wasn't the case. Yeah, uh, but but you could play with some of that too, where like you could have like technically twenty miners and make it look like it's more decentralized, but it could be five computers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could, and that could be some some game theory tweaking. Um. I want to take a slight left turn. Sure. Let's Bitcoin, do it. Bitcoin block space is kind of touted as like one of the most sought after things in the crypto space. How, mm-hmm. how is it that Stacks miners uh, ensure that they always have a transaction in the, in the Bitcoin chain? Ah, uh, this is, yeah, I saw, this is a great question. Um, because actually one of the bigger things to consider about, uh, the strategy if you're if you're stacks mining in terms of how much you're burning is there's two components to the to the amount of Bitcoin that you're spending that you need to think about as a miner. One obviously is you know how much how much of my spend is going to the stacks chain and how competitive is that with other miners? Therefore, what's my expected probability of winning? But since the act of mining stack tokens is sending a Bitcoin transaction. You also need to pay a high enough fee to the Bitcoin network to ensure that your transaction gets uh, processed and, and included in a uh, Bitcoin block, you know, in reasonable time. Um, if not, if you pay, you know, too economical of a fee, something really low, then your transaction, you know, even if it may be correct, it's not going to reach the stacks chain in time for you to compete in the next leader sortition. Um, and so because of that, you know, the competitiveness of understanding, you know, the current fee market of Bitcoin, at least at a high level, is important. Um, and having a good sense of how high a fee you need to pay uh, at any given time on the Bitcoin network to get a transaction processed in, you know, reasonable expected time um, is kind of around what you're going to to kind of want to pay there. Um, does that make sense? And, yeah, and and so you're choosing that. So if you have a, yep. a a fee that's too low, then you will not be participating in the leader election. You'd be out of the mix. So let. Let, let me add a few more details. So it's no different than, um, you know, if anyone has Bitcoin on a hardware wallet on, on a Trezor ledger, when you go to send that Bitcoin out, you know, usually the wallet just defaults to automatically selecting the transaction fee for you for that trans- for that Bitcoin transaction. Um, but if you want, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people that, that have Bitcoin on hardware wallets have done this. Depending on the transaction, the amount of inputs uh, that it's using, the amount that you're sending, um, you know, there can be some other factors. Um, you may owe, you know, the 
to kind of have a, a transaction fee where the expected time that your transactions processed is, you know, 10 minutes, it's, it's you know, the, the block time of Bitcoin, you know, you may have one transaction fee. You may want to pay less than that, which you can do. You know, I've I've sent transactions with really low sats per byte fees, like, you know, six or seven sats per byte. Now, that's going to that that might take, you know, a couple of days um, to confirm on the network. But that'll go through. And if you're just sending Bitcoin and trying to move it from, you know, wallet A to wallet B, and there's no real kind of time constraint there, then that that's fine. And that can be a great way to kind of cut down on fees. If you have, um, if you're putting a transaction together that let's say has a lot of uh, transaction IDs uh, on the Bitcoin side. Um, for stacks mining though, you know, stacks has a block time. You're, com- you're trying to compete for the next upcoming block, which is going to, you know, come in, in you know, uh, 10 minutes roughly. And so if your transaction, if you don't pay a high enough fee on the Bitcoin network for your mining transaction, and it doesn't get processed by the Bitcoin network and reach the Stacks protocol before that next block leader sortation happens, then you've missed that. Um, and that can happen over, you, you see what I mean? So you have to pay a high enough fee that your transaction um, will be processed in time on the Bitcoin network. Got it. Um, okay, this is, I'm going to try and explain this, but I've heard... We'll <laughs> <laughs> see how I do. I've heard that some people have some concerns. They, they think that proof of work is the most secure long-term strategy, but they're not convinced that... Um, Bitcoin long term as the Coinbase rewards lower is secure. And mm-hmm. I think the, the idea they're saying is that because Bitcoin's TPS is, you know, seven or whatever it is, uh, you can get roughly, you know, at a peak, like 4,000, I think, uh, transactions per block. So mm-hmm. is, I'm, I'm curious if, if we're looking, you know, 100 years out and, you know, the Coinbase rewards are now tiny, but you know bitcoin's obviously appreciated but the the fee to get into that block would be astronomically higher now how do you think that uh you know stacks miners would have to interplay if the fee if the mm-hmm. fee gets astronomically high how do you interact with that you know i think in terms of that view of the future that there's a number of kind of open questions that dictate you know the how true kind of the characterizations of that are where, you know, I would characterize the, to me, it's less about worrying about, you know, the security of Bitcoin when it moves to a transaction fee only block reward model. It's more a question of what will the market price be for securing the Bitcoin blockchain at, at that point. You know, one thing that I think is interesting is, you know, to date, it's, you know, the current market price. We don't really know if we've been overpaying, underpaying, paying, you know, the right amount for the security of the Bitcoin network. I think part of what you'll see with that process as the network continues to mature and then does switch to transaction fees only is, what is the value of securing the network 
um, when it really is just that function that miners are, are kind of conducting. And I look at stacks as something that kind of pushes that model forward more. You know, ultimately, again, I think stat, the secondary market price of stacks represents the market value of smart contracts on top of Bitcoin, that, that use case. And as we work to make that use case more and more and more valuable, um, to your point, the kind of competition to um, get uh, Bitcoin block space um, will get more and more. And, and I look at that as a good thing because, again, I think to have that, it's it's not like the competition for that block space gets – I think part of what what helps make that super expensive – is the success of you know utility from that block space? Um, yeah, let me think. Another way that I would kind of maybe put it is, um, you know, in the future, if it is super expensive for stacks miners to mine, then you know it it it's it's an economic equation with an equilibrium, and so there will be a reason for that. It'll be because, you know, the the amount of, you know, essentially what what you're going to win in terms of the expected block reward um, is still going to put you, you know, at a marginal profit. Now, I think in terms of the Satoshi per bytes for a transaction at that point, eating up, you know, too much of the... Uh, mining amount it, it's not something i'm i mean we'll have to see how that how, how things play out um but again i think i think to me it's just about raising kind of the utility of the stacks network and so raising the uh yeah I, that to me is kind of the the main thing to just aim for 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 you know the next decade or decades um just to kind of ultimately uh, see the like what what drives the appreciation of the stacks token, what drives the value of the network, what drives the value of the stacks network to the Bitcoin network. Um, it's I, I really see it as that. So that makes sense. I also think like a, a big value add or priced in like appreciation for stacks right now is the stacking reward. Like you can get a eight to twelve percent on average mm-hmm. return. And that might just shift where it goes down to five or two, but because you do, can do so many other things with stacks, uh, the miners can still pay their fee. It'll cut to five, so that five will go towards the fee, and it'll all just kind of work out, and everyone has a new equilibrium that they're happy with. I can mm-hmm. see that too. Um, yeah. Well, we got 10 or so minutes left, so I will put a call out if anybody wants to you know, come up and ask a question. Feel free to raise your hand. We'll pull you up. Um, I'm curious, does, in your experience, have you seen, does the BTC hash rate affect miners at all? Like as blocks slow down or speed up, does that change your decision-making? So as a miner, just in terms of your economic profitability, no. Um, but just in terms of security for the stacks chain, yeah, I, I think it definitely, it's not something I've figured out a good way of like quantifying quite yet but um 
it definitely adds to the overall security of the Stacks chain. Again, the Stacks chain is secured both by Stacks miners and uh, by the fact that a, the a hash of every block header is included in a Bitcoin block. So the harder it is to attack the Bitcoin chain, the harder it is to attack the Stacks network. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a direct one-to-one correlation in, in any way, shape, or form, but there is kind of influence there. But um, more from a security perspective, less for um, from a perspective of uh, strategy for miners trying to be more profitable. Okay. And is there, you know, Bitcoin to protect itself from too much hash rate coming online adjusts its... Uh, you know, puzzle you got to solve. I think it's roughly every two weeks, and it gets mm-hmm. harder, harder, easier depending on how much uh, you know raw juice is on the network. Yep. Does Stacks not have anything like that? It's just kind of like that the the mechanism is what it is, and it's safe it's, in and of itself. But there's nothing to change. It's naturally baked into the um, into the economic relationship. If you think about it, you know, equivalent to hash power on bitcoin is the amount of uh uh, it's the um, the number of miners and the amount of bitcoin that they're spending per block um in terms of uh trying to mine stacks blocks and as more hash power you know or more miners and or more bitcoin that's being spent per block comes online uh that will come online until it's no longer economically profitable to do so. So instead of adjusting the difficulty, you know, our consensus mechanism doesn't need to do that. It a natural consequence of the the kind of economic relationship uh, and how mining works is that the return of mining just turns, you know, break even and then negative and then more negative for miners, the more come online. So similarly, to a difficulty adjustment, you know, our difficulty adjustment happens now, all of a sudden, um, you know, uh, only uh, 20% of miners are unprofitable. They're going to drop off at that point um, until the dynamic changes again so that they can be profitable. So, you know, I think it, it, it plays out the same way as in terms of that dynamic existing in the mining competition and in the mining market. But with proof of transfer, it because of how it works and because we're not, you know, using a lot of electricity for computation, um, there doesn't need to be an actual difficulty adjustment mechanism. It's it's something that's just baked into the profitability relationship. Got it. Is there a scenario where you could have a hundred miners that are, let's say, equally weighting a one percent chance? over large numbers does that make sense to to run it like that or does is that unprofitable for the, the vast majority um you need a lot of coordination to get the mining market to do i i think the bigger problem there is how would you be able how, how would you convince all 100 miners online to spend at that level and even if you could momentarily how do you kind of keep that because i mean we've seen We've seen that we we've seen miners and and we actually tried this one time too, lowering our burn amount quite a bit, um, so that we you know we were still paying a, a 
big enough fee to the Bitcoin network, but you know, maybe we were only paying like 150 or 100,000 Satoshis per block. Um, and basically just trying to look at, you know, what is the, does the return kind of equal out to expectation at that level? And what was interesting that we saw, and I don't, I don't really, I, I don't a hundred percent know why yet, but at that level, you like, it's really hard to win a block on the stacks network. And, and again, this is anecdotal just in terms of the numbers with what I've seen over the past few months. But if you're spending less than like 150 or 200,000 Satoshis per block, it's, it's really hard to be competitive and, and win any stacks blocks, even though you theoretically have, you know, a small probably single digit percentage chance of, of winning. Um, and so, you know, one, I, I, I think you've seen, you know, we tried going quite low. We've seen a couple of miners go quite low, but one, um, there's nothing that uh, like that, that doesn't really make any other miners go low as well. If anything, it just makes the competition better for them. Um, and so when no other miners then kind of lower their spend, then you end up in a, in a place where you're just wasting Bitcoin, basically trying to mine. Um, so yeah, not, not something I've kind of seen happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you theoretically, if, if you were to have a situation like that come about like that, I, I think that would be fine. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that'll be interesting because it hasn't really shifted much over the past year, but is the the makeup of each miner's um, spend per block, like the Bitcoin fee versus the uh, amount that's actually paid to the, the Stacks network. Um, just looking at that ratio and how it changes over time. Um, I think we pull that data into OnStack, so something we'll we'll have to look at but yeah got it yeah it's, it sounds like it's one of those things where people say like in theory there's no difference between theory and practice and in practice there is like on paper it should pencil out that if there was 100 miners bidding at one percent it would everyone would be profitable over a long enough time horizon but inevitably you know one person's going to go from two to four to five and then someone's going to have to get knocked out and become unprofitable at some level because there's just too much spend and you find this new equilibrium. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even at, you know, even with a hundred miners too, it, it, you're going to reach the same equilibrium. Um, it's just going to be different numbers. There'll be just more miners spending, you know, much less or, you know, it'll be many more miners spending the same amount. The, you know, the the secondary market price of the stacks token just way higher. Um, you know, you, you can kind of, it, it's somewhat of like a triangle relationship that, that you can, uh, pretty pretty simple to kind of see the the, the points that influence and, and kind of what they do. Got it. Uh, well, cool. I got no more questions. We ran through my entire cool. list. Do you have anything that you want to like riff off before we get out of here or just close it down? Oh, no, this was fun. Um, if anyone has, uh, yeah, again, folks who are interested in kind of looking at data and actually, you know, trying to analyze any of this, um, go to onstacks.com, just O-N-S-T-A-C-K-S. 
Um, there's both a network explorer and a mining uh, specific monitor there. Um, if anyone does have any more questions about mining or uh, wants to dig into anything, please just, I, I think my DMs are open. If you know, they're not just at me um, with a tweet, but yeah, this was fun. appreciate the questions, Jake. Yeah, man, this was, this was super eye opening. So I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, if you want to deep dive on stacks is super cool. You can see each individual miner and how much Satoshi they've spent over time and how many blocks they've won. So you can see like, okay, they won, you know, two days ago and they won how many blocks ago. So it's, you, you can really get granular with it. And uh, I'll post this in the next day or so. And I will link the video that Trevor put together, which is fantastic for covering a lot of the stuff that we just talked about, but you can see it in visual form laid out over like a 20 minute video. But yeah, that's all I got.